Hi, I'm Julie. I'm Kristen. And I'm Kate. Welcome to Season 2 of Topical Island. In every episode, we'll dive into a new topic. From the morbid to the magnificent. The heartfelt to the ridiculous. Join us as each week we take you to a different topical island. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, Island Hoppers. Julie, Kristen, it's nice to be here with you. Julie, what have you been up to? Hello. I am happy. It is January. The sun is shining. I will say that as a family, so I have a a young daughter. She's five and then a baby baby. He doesn't watch TV. But um, as a family, we sometimes struggle to find a show that we all would actually Mm. enjoy. But, Mm -hmm. you know, together. Yeah, I could see that. (laughs) What does a five-year-old want to watch and a 35-year-old want to watch? Well, I tell you, the the truth is oftentimes it it ends up being kind of um, the more wholesome reality television. So things like America's Got Talent or The Amazing Race or, of course, The Great British Bake Off, which is like a staple in our home. A thousand times, yes. And... (laughs) And then, of course, there's a spinoff, which is called Junior Bake Off, which is children baking. And there, it's amazing. Like, the skill for some of these kids who are, like, eight is unreal. Mm-hmm. So something that we do, one of the uh, segments in all of the baking shows is what's called the technical challenge, where they don't know the recipe but all the ingredients are there. They lift up a uh, gingham cloth and, and then they start to bake and they've given a certain amount of time and then the judges judge the baking. Okay. So what we do for, for my daughter is that we set up a technical bake for her. So she just finished her technical bake of oatmeal cookies. So basically oh. we put out all the ingredients and then she has to put them together and then they go in the oven. That's so fun. That is really fun. Yeah. And, um, and you know, she's watched enough of the show that she knows that dry ingredients go with dry ingredients and wet ingredients go with wet. And then you wow. put them together. But it's it's kind of just a fun thing that we um, sometimes set up for her. And so, yeah, that was what we were up to this afternoon as she was doing her technical bake. That's so creative. Cool. Very creative. Yeah, it's it's lots of fun and she enjoys it. And it's the best of both worlds because somebody bakes for me, but I don't have to worry too, too much. I, I know that it'll turn out well because the ingredients are pre-measured. And Is part of technical baking cleaning up? Great question. I will go and see the state of the kitchen after the pod and I'll let you know. How about you, Kristen? What are you up to? Well, I am kind of going to out myself a little bit. I've been doing I think I brought up yoga with Adrian on the podcast before I love it it's a YouTube channel Adrian is lovely um but so she started this uh I I always attempt these and and rarely finish but she does like 30-day yoga challenges um and so she I think she tends to do them I think she doesn't throw out the year but I think she really does tend to do them in January that's kind of like a reset um and so I am doing one but I will say that I think I completed day nine and I think it is day 30. <laughs> so <laughs> you, I did day nine today. So, but what I decided was I'm just going to do all 30 days because in, in no planet world have I ever, would I ever probably do yoga every single day of my life? Like, I just don't think, I just can't, mm. <laughs> it's not in me. And so I was just like, you know what? I'm going to finish this 30 days, but I'm just going to do it at my own pace. So I'll let you guys know when I'm done. Hopefully it's sometime in February. It, 
it might be March. Actually, at this pace, it's probably March, but um, I'm sticking with it and I love it, but uh, I'm not on day 30 with the rest of the yogis. Well, I think that's a great way to go about it. I do too. And, you know, completing the 30 days is completing 30 days of yoga that you might not have done otherwise, whether it's within the 30 days. But like you said, to go from, you know, once in a while to every day for a full month, that's quite a commitment. So good for you. Yeah. And her mantra is find what feels good. So I think Adrian would be there with you. Yeah. Kate. <laughs> well, Kate, on that same, on that kind of that same note that, you know, the, the annual refresh in January being the time of year to do that. So we did, me and my husband took part in dry January this year. Wow, um, I didn't so, know that. Congratulations. Well, yeah. Uh, well, l- before you go there, um, <laughs> our January did end prior to the 31st. So it is currently, it's January is still with, uh, you know, with With us. us, Yeah. Um, But this weekend we um, indulged. And so, but however, you know, so we had our indulgence and uh, I, I should say, you know, it was quote unquote dry January, but it was also a very much a reset of just being mindful of what we were putting in our bodies, you know, alcohol mm-hmm. wasn't, uh, you know, we certainly enjoyed ourselves over the holidays. And uh, I just needed a reminder that, um, you know, your, your body is a machine and it needs to be fueled properly if you want it to work that way. So. <laughs> and do you feel better? Like, do you feel You know, good? it was interesting because I honestly think in the first two weeks, mm-hmm. my body you know, three o'clock would hit and it's like, wait a second, where's my half box of chocolates? And my body is like, Mm. just kind of like, I think you, I think we usually get a spike of something right about now. (laughs) And so, um, you know, our, even though our holiday was pretty low key and there was lots of puzzling and games and stuff like that, you know, it wasn't Mm. uncommon to have a candy cane martini. And like I said, a half box of chocolates with, as I was puzzling. And so (laughs) it was really just, a reset of that. And like I said, we did um, enjoy a couple of beverages over the weekend, but we're both very much looking forward to what we're going to call Fit February. Ooh. So moving on, you know, just uh, setting ourselves some, some again, just kind of being mindful of how we're treating ourselves and um, feeling good about it. So that's what we've been doing. That's where I'm at. That sounds great. Good for you. But what I'm really looking forward to is finding out where uh, Kristen will be taking us today. I'm also excited about this topic because I think it has good information, but I also would love to hear from you guys on it. Um, So I actually decided to do this topic. And then the more I looked into it, I was like, because I was like, oh, that could be kind of cool. But then I was like, oh, there's actually something to it. So I'm going to talk today about nostalgia. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, bring it on. <laughs> so just, there's quite a history to nostalgia, but a modern definition of nostalgia is a sentimental longing or wistful affection for the past, typically for a period or place with happy personal associations. So um, nostalgia is associated with a yearning for the past, its personalities, people, maybe its possibilities, events, especially like the good old days or a warm childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is that sort of in keeping with how you guys generally think nostalgia is? Yeah, definitely. Good. Yeah, it's it's the, mm-hmm. that sense. And 
my favorite kind of nostalgia, if there's kinds, I don't know, but mm-hmm. I love it when toys especially because there's something about childhood right um if i see a picture of a toy that i had or a neighbor had or a friend had that i used to play with as a kid that i had completely forgot about but then i Mm -hmm. see it Mm -hmm. that feeling is gives me all the worms and fuzzies definitely and i think is that is that a part of it maybe because when i think of nostalgia it's almost like the things that you don't necessarily think about or you know, tend to remember, but it's like something, something triggers it. And it's this rush of like, oh my goodness, I was just transported back to this awesome memory that I may, if I hadn't have been triggered, I wouldn't have necessarily gone there. Yeah, that's totally true. Like surprise nostalgia. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But historically, people have been trying to figure out like, what is all about this sense of longing for a long time. Uh, One it's kind of interesting because nostalgia wasn't always uh, like a, an, a positive thing. Hmm. So um, near the end of Central Europe's 30 years war, which was 1618 to 1648, um, one medical diagnosis called it the mal, el mal de corazón, which translates to the evil of the heart. But Ooh. it was actually the Swiss medical student, Johannes Hoffer, who coined the term nostalgia later, a little bit later in 1688, which is a combination of two Greek words, which are nostos, homecoming, and algos, pain. Oh. Yeah. So it was a Swiss, it was, the condition was known as mal de Swiss because it was actually occurring to uh, Swiss mercenaries in the plains of lowlands France or Italy who were pining for their homes. It's like homesickness. Yeah, essentially that's what they were that's what they were calling it at the time. So they were saying that the symptoms of it because they were really thinking of it as like an illness or a condition uh, included nostal- or included fainting, high fever, indigestion, stomach pain and death. Oh. I don't know what the situation was there. Um but <laughs> even odd odder, uh, military physicians hypothesized that it might have been due to the constant clanging of cowbells in their home pastures in Switzerland. That they missed? No, I think that damaged their brains. their brains. Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so nostalgia as a bad thing uh, continued through the 17th and 18th centuries, and treatments included things like leeches, stomach purges, bloodletting, opium, bullying, threats, even up to including. Death. So that was more like, don't act nostalgic or I will kill you in one particular situation. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and later it was known as the immigrant psychosis when um, immigrants were flooded to the United States between the 19th and 20th centuries and people were pining for their home countries as they attempted to process life in their new country. Oh. Huh. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. So it, yeah. it's funny because it's like, these are, it's just interesting because it's such a, in my mind, a natural thing to be in like a war situation or having to leave your homeland and, and thinking of your homeland in a positive way and feeling a bit sad. Yeah. The fact that that has to be diagnosed as like an illness says a lot, I guess, about the psychology of the time or, or whatever. Yeah. Right. Well, it's almost like someone decided you know this is all right this is getting annoying like you must be (laughs) 
Yeah. I'm sick of it. You must be ill if you're still (laughs) on this topic. Yeah. (laughs) Or or maybe there's, you know, you're not being grateful for this new life you have. Yeah, exactly. I think it says a lot about the people who were, you know, diagnosing it. Diagnosing it 100%. Especially with the, you know, some of those treatments like bullying or threat of death. Well, exactly. And I mean, on a weird tangent, it's kind of one of those things like, you know, how like even PTSD for like soldiers and stuff has only like treatment of that has only been a really recent thing. Right. So to me, that kind of fits. It's like, well, you went through this thing, like what? You're home now. Get over it kind of thing. So so Christine Bacho, who's a psychology professor at Lemoyne College in Santa Cruz, says that generally people find comfort and nostalgia during times of loss, anxiety, isolation, or uncertainty. And I think it's, she was talking about that in reference to COVID, like during the pandemic, which I think we've seen a lot of, even what you were talking about, Julie, like lots of like, if you're a child of the nineties, you remember this or whatever, like Mm -hmm. the toys or the whatever. And I just, I don't know if it's like a social media phenomenon or if it's just because of COVID or just like a thing, but, um, it would make sense in terms of that. So they say that nine out of 10 people admit to thinking fondly of the past, at least occasionally, with 47% of people saying they do so always or quite often. While people get slightly older, they're they're likely to do it more as they get slightly older. But then they also said that millennials, which we all fall into, say they reminisce about the past almost always. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if that's a, like if do you think that's because of the changes that had ha- have happened within our generation? I wonder. Yeah. Because like, yeah, like we've, we really like, and I don't, I mean, I'm sure every generation has, I mean, of course we're always right. evolving, but we've seen like the change from essentially like playing outside <laughs> to yeah. like, yeah, to everything, everything is available to you at your finger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a sense of how often you get nostalgic? I think that's tough for me, at least. Again, yeah. I think I would have a hard time quantifying it because a lot a lot of the times where i'm mindfully nostalgic are yeah. when, like i like i said in an instant where i'm triggered by something or something reminds me of of a moment right. or a time of the past that i'm like ah oh, right so it's cool more like deja yeah. vu where you can't control it yeah <laughs> yeah That's what about you julie I, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Kate, like that I often triggers, I will tell you that my Pinterest feed has a lot of like nostalgic items on it. So it maybe happens to me more than, uh, more than average. The other aspect that I like about nostalgia is that it's kind of gives you a sense of community. Like if I showed you a picture of, Mm. I had this lunchbox in grade six and you guys were like, Oh my God, I remember those. I, there's yeah. also this communal sense that we had this sh- shared experience that I think is also, for me anyway, part of nostalgia. So kind of when it goes to the types, I I, I don't know. I didn't come across like a surprise nostalgia. Oh, I just wanted to say one thing about that is that I totally agree. I think that's like almost like a little gift of like, ooh, that's something I didn't even remember. And then that feeling mm-hmm. is like overwhelming. And that, But uh, to another degree, like I have some memories that I go to, like not necessarily like consciously if I'm feeling sad I'll like think about this but I do have some like memories in my life that I know if I like that I can kind of just dive into if I just like feel like I need to like a moment in time or like an event that I that just like like felt really good like I will sometimes on purpose do it as well not like again like I'm not like I'm going to go to that nostalgia moment because I'm feeling like junk but I will do it sometimes 
Well, I know, yeah, like if I'm feeling sad and I need to re-picture Julie falling off of a chairlift, I can do that at any moment in time. <laughs> Learn more about that next week. <laughs> um, so anyway, so there are some types, which just to define some that are more helpful than others, because I'll get into a little bit, because there is science behind the fact that it's actually like a helpful feeling, if that's what you want to call it. But there's some types that aren't necessarily. So there's personal nostalgia, which is, of course, from your own life like details of your own life by that can be triggered by milestones, like re- reminiscing about details. But then there's also historical nostalgia, which I think we see some of that rhetoric around these days too, that m- might not even be from someone's own life, but this kind of idea of what things used to be look like, like they say like a, a time period that happened before the person's birth and it reflects a level of dissatisfaction with what's happening in the present. So if you think, Oh, those were the good old days. Right. And then, but you don't even really necessarily know what that was or you didn't live it. And you know what I mean? Like this like kind oh, of yeah. like idealized okay. kind of thing. Like how disappointed I am that I completely missed the flapper generation. <laughs> I've never been to a legitimate speakeasy. I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's any harm in that. But you know where I've seen that, that play mm-hmm. out and mm-hmm. I, not to bring politics into it by any stretch, but I think this, you yeah. know, that um, make America great again, that kind of sentiment right. of that there was this like, perfect time when people had perfect Mm -hmm. families and you know we all could afford a vehicle and had our own homes and like which wasn't actually that didn't ever exist for everyone that wasn't not yeah that was never (laughs) the case it's just what people imagine that time to be like definitely and and I think that the media of that time like if you watched you know uh television like the leave it to beaver kind of era well, those were certainly idealized families. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's easy to be like, yeah, but look at Leave It to Beaver. That must have been the perfect time to exist. And it's like, well, that's not a real family. So the late literary scholar, uh, Professor Svetlana Boim, also coined two types of nostalgia called restorative or and reflective. And again, so reflective is quite helpful because that's kind of the idea that you savor the past with a full knowledge that it is the past and can never be relived again. But restorative nostalgia can look back longingly, even jealously at the past, and it desires to recreate or relive it in the in the present. So if you look at an old memory and it, it and you go, oh, well, obviously that's, you know, I was a different age then. I had different people in my life, whatever. Like, it's just a lovely memory to have in my past. Or, oh, I'm going to try to get that back kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different feeling. Huh. The first thing that comes to mind when you say that is um, like people who renew their vows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like is that, I mean, oh, yes, there's yeah. lots to that. Recommitting, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But are you trying, do you want to, yeah, are you trying to recreate your wedding, you know, day. Right. Your wedding day? Yeah. I'm just thinking of like the, uh, <laughs> you know, dazed and confused when, uh, Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey is clearly a grown man, but hanging out with high school students. <laughs> like, um, what does he say? I keep getting older, but they stay the same age. Yeah, it's totally gross. Right, right, um, right. <laughs> but it's that to me is that kind of unhealthy, like, oh, you want to relive high school? So you are like a 25 year old hanging out with 17 year olds? That's like, yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. That's restorative as heck. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, that was, you were cool at the time, but the older you get, the cooler you ain't. So a couple of the studies that 
that actually prove that there's some value in nostalgia. One of them was by uh, Clay Rutledge from the North Dakota State University with a couple of other psychologists who were English. Um, they, sorry, they conducted it with some English, Dutch, and American adults. So one, which was interesting, and actually they say that music is like one of the top ways to like induce nostalgia. Oh, I could see um, that, yeah. Yeah. And so what they did was they pl- would play a hit songs from one of the, from the, the past of these participants and just on a very like basic level these people were more likely to say more likely than the control group who didn't hear any of these songs to say that they felt loved and that life is worth living wow oh yeah and then the other so then they took it a step further and then they tried to induce like what they called existential angst so they actually had the participants read um, an essay that they said was by an Oxford philosopher that said that life is meaningless because every single person's contribution to the world is paltry, pathetic, and pointless. So I, I'm guessing from the way that was written that that was like a made-up essay, but they were just like, here's a person with a lot of knowledge who's telling you that basically you can't make a difference in the world. And readers of the essay who had actually um, induced nostalgia before reading it were less likely to be convinced by it. Interesting. So the brief, the brief uh, stroll down memory lane, they say, appear, apparently made life worthwhile, whereas others who did not did not have nostalgia induced ahead of reading this awful essay um, were more, more likely to feel kind of despaired by it. Oh, huh. yeah. So there's been like, the, so it's quite a field of study. So like what I, because I said when I first kind of thought of the idea, because I feel like I, I don't know if it's been COVID inducing or or what, but I just have felt more recently like. Like I even made a playlist on Spotify the other day, like that was like called nostalgia, just like of songs that kind of reminded me of the past. Um, and so I thought, well, that might be a cool thing to look at, but there's actually been like a ton of people like looking into it and studying it. And obviously it has this really interesting history. Yeah. And during the pandemic, especially. So there was actually a study that looked at kind of the entertainment choices during the, the pandemic. Um, and so there was a lot of, and I'm sure you kind of saw, like there was a lot of kind of, virtual cast reunions and stuff for shows like Taxi, Twin Peaks, and Melrose Place. Yeah. And so they, yeah, so they hypothesize that might have had a little bit to do with that kind of hmm. comfort that uh, that nostalgia brings. It's like a warm blanket. Gotcha. Well, and especially yeah. after, you know, the pandemic hit and then everybody's thinking about the good old times. Yeah. Then, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But like kind of like what we were talking about before, I think, you know, our podcast, we try to help people, try to warn people as well. So I think one of the things that you guys mentioned, which was really good to pick up on, is that idea that people have used it as kind of like a political uh, tool. So when you right. look at how the power of nostalgia in our lives and and how much different, like if, it, if a nostalgic memory can bring you from feeling even despairing about the future it's such a powerful emotion. And yeah. so not only are people using it potentially in like, there was a whole talk about it, about how people use it in rhetoric of kind of like what good, the good old days were, maybe who's keeping you away from the good old days, these types of things. Right. And also in advertising. So they've talked a little bit about stuff like Coca-Cola and kind of like getting in on that Christmas spirit. So not that that's necessarily an evil or bad thing, but I think it's just as consumers, it's a good thing to be aware of that, that marketers are doing this too. They're, they, they're seeing, of course, the power of this nostalgia and well, think, might be tapping in and out on you. And think of how many brands have done like, uh, 
they've reintroduced like classic logos yeah. or even yeah. like, you know, Coca-Cola classic, like, or maybe that's just their name <laughs> <laughs> or like, you know, done more of a retro feel yeah. Yeah, to their totally. product placement because of that feeling that people would get. Oh yeah. Like yeah. I even look at um, all the Disney movies that they're re-releasing, like, mm-hmm. you know, Aladdin live action or Lion King live action. And part of that is that the parents with young kids now have the nostalgia of the original Lion King and, and Aladdin. So they're, okay, so I'll watch that and get my kid in, in on it and they can sell new merch. Yeah. 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 But it's to your point, it's because it is so powerful. Right, mm-hmm. that, yeah, that so feeling powerful. is so powerful, especially when they're talking about music and stuff. I recall, and this is this might also have like a, I'm sure this has like a therapy side of it too. But you know, like a lot of the times when you do um, in old in seniors' homes, and especially people with dementia, they do like uh, music therapy. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had I was able to I can't remember the situation exactly, but I had the privilege of sitting in on like a session like that, and there were people who literally could barely speak, and then when they were um, when they were with the music therapist was was playing songs, of course, trying to play songs that maybe were from their past. Mm-hmm. And it, it was amazing how they came to life to sing them. And even then afterwards, talking about their own childhoods, it was like wow. so wow. touching. Yeah. Um, and like, it just would access like a different part of their memory, I think. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. How powerful. You're doubling down mm-hmm. on the power of music and nostalgia together there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Exactly. So yeah, I just thought I just thought it was an interesting concept, and I think you know as as people research it more, I mean, there's obviously no cure all for everything, but you know, it makes me think, oh, you know, if you're feeling lonely or you're feeling uncertain about something, maybe you know, think about something in the past <laughs> that brings you joy, and, and it might bring you just bump your mood up that level. And the other thing I was thinking about it is like you know when you have memories like that it's like you can anticipate things and look forward to things, but you never really know how they're going to turn out. But for the most part, your memories are your memories. You have, they have a beginning, middle and end. And um, they're just something that you could kind of look back on and, and enjoy if, if you need to. And hopefully it's the, it is the, you know, the positive longing for home type mm-hmm. of feeling and not the whatever they thought it was in the 1600s the yeah whiny swiss swiss Swiss. malaise (laughs) mal de swiss that's what it was called Uh, yeah just dragging them dragging down society yeah exactly exactly really interesting topic yeah i love that you know i have to say for me you know they say music is a big part of it for me when i think of nostalgia i automatically think of smells um, oh, because I wow. feel like I often, and it's almost infuriating. There have been time, multiple times where I'll get, I'll get a smell of something and I can't place it, but it takes me right. Like it's, it's infuriating. It's like, oh my goodness, <laughs> this is what, why can't I pinpoint what this is or what it's reminding me of, but it's so familiar. And it's like, it's yeah. a good feeling. Like it's reminding me of something positive, but I can't place it. Mr. Sketch Markers comes to mind. Well, great topic, positive topic. Thanks. Thanks. But uh, Julie, I want to hear from you. Do you have a good news story for us? I do. So I actually am going to do a little bit of a public service announcement in lieu of a good news story because I recently joined the library in my area. Ooh. 
Yes. Because I had once seen in like a, you know, table topics or or something like that, this concept of like, it's probably time to get rid of the library. And I disagree. Sorry. Disagree. (laughs) No, I disagree too. I disagree. And here's why is because libraries are evolving and they're kind of magical little places. So our local Mm -hmm. library here, um, in addition to being adorable and having like a little fireplace and a nice area to sit and like a great kids room and having books, obviously, and, and uh, videos and book on tape, there's, they do things like rent uh, video games. So they've become the new modern day blockbuster, if you were, if you're wondering. And then Ours rents out all kinds of other wonderful things. So puzzles, board games, obviously magazines. And then they have a whole section Mm -hmm. dedicated to wellness. So they rent out yoga mats and art supplies. Um, They rent out snowshoes, cross-country skis. What? Oh, wow. In the summer. Like a general store. It's like, it's amazing. But it's all included with your $12 library membership. They include, um, in the summer, they sell gardening um, equipment and tools like um, saws and that kind of thing. It's a real community center where if you want to access like tents for if you want to go camping, any of that is included in your library membership. And I just had to share that good news story because I was so taken aback by the quantity and of stuff that they were renting out there and that they were kind of evolving to keep up with, yeah, okay, maybe people aren't um, going for the you know, hardcover books anymore, but there's lots of other things that the library can do to, to help people and, and get them learning. And then of course, lots of libraries offer tons of courses. Um, and currently during COVID times, a lot of them are online and they're free and they're, you know, I just saw one for mindful parenting classes offered by the library. So Hmm. I just wanted to give that good news, give a shout out to the libraries and to consider, you know, if you're looking to make a donation anytime soon to a charitable organization, consider your local library because that's the kind of things that libraries are doing right now. And I think it's an amazing service. Absolutely. I'm all for libraries and you're right. Like we, my, I was working somewhere and the lady who I worked with husband was worked for the library and they were just showing all the online resources and it just, even just the online resources blow your mind. You can take any Mm -hmm. course you want. It's so Mm -hmm. true. And it's so accessible. It's so important because that's one thing if you can go to chapters and buy a new book every time you want to, but it's mm-hmm. right. it's for everybody. It's for families and it's for people who can't do that all the time. And yeah. that's annoying to me that people would think that. Yeah. Yeah. That they should end libraries. That's all. <laughs> well, did you find what you were looking for? If not, maybe check the library. <laughs> <laughs> 